Hey there, and welcome to the Unlikely Artist Podcast, where I'll teach you how to gain the freedom you need to become who you want, instead of who you've been telling yourself you need to be. I'm Heather Kerr. I went from international tax to art and coaching because those are the things I've been yearning to do. Listen in to find out how you can start doing what you love to in slow, easy steps each week. Let's dive in now. Hello, Savvy Souls. So today I want you to buckle up and get settled for a bit longer podcast than normal. I'm talking about one of the most important things I think I could bring to you. I think this is one of my most important episodes. And the topic is magic, how to welcome magic and use it in your life. Magic's an amazing and expansive tool that I think we too often dismiss or forget about when we're looking for answers. And as you all know, I do love me some mindset work, um, but mindset isn't the answer to everything. That's because our reasoning and changing our thoughts doesn't always help us reach our highest potential. And we all have the ability to use magical tools to connect with our higher selves, to connect with our purpose and that knowing part of us, the unafraid part of us, the dreaming part of us that knows our deepest desires and what's possible for us. So magic isn't about listening to a guru or casting spells or humming on a mountaintop. It's very practical and it's very useful. It's about listening to us, not to the scared inner critic that our thinking mind often delivers to us, but to the best part of us. Even though I use magic in my own life and I use it a lot, I can often fall into the trap of being realistic, being reasonable. I think it's time for all of us to stop dismissing the use of magic or kind of smiling lightly when we hear a magical idea and saying to ourselves, oh, that's kind of cute. So what I want most for you savvy souls is to walk away from this episode knowing that magic is critical and essential and fun and beautiful. It's a creative tool that's available to you. If you don't access magic at all, I do know one thing is true. You're not creating everything you're capable of creating in your life. You're not showing up as the full magnificent being you are. You might be part way there. You might be a lot of the way there, but you're not all the way there. A lot of us can get discombobulated by our analytical minds. We think we need to be reasonable. So I want to ask you, how many times have you pushed away your dreams or pushed away an enticing idea on the grounds that it doesn't feel reasonable? When we talk about being reasonable, we mean we need to use sound judgment and be fair and sensible. It all sounds good, right? But underlying being reasonable is the origin of this expression, making decisions from our thinking mind through reason. In other words, thinking, understanding, and forming judgments by a logical analytical process. 
drawing reasoned conclusions. We try to solve all of our problems with our brains. We try to make all our decisions with logic reasons and analytical processes. We believe any other decision-making process is unrealistic or unreasonable. But the truth is, we'll never make the best decisions for ourselves this way, relying only on logic. So I'm not dissing logic here. I'm just saying it's not the answer to everything. And if you rely on it exclusively, you're not going to be create everything that you can. Have you ever noticed that when you try to solve problems with your brain, you can find yourself in repetitive thought loops. You're believing certain thoughts and you're believing they're true, but they're making you feel terrible and you're not taking actions. You need to create the outcomes you want. Yet, when you tell yourself those thoughts that aren't working for you aren't true, it feels like you're lying, that you're denying something that's actually true. It feels like you're trying to believe in something fictitious. And so that's why you go into thought loops of conviction that keep leading you to the same results. I bet you do that a lot. And why do I say that? Because almost all of us do that in some areas of our life. So part of the reason that you're stuck is because the analytical part of your brain needs evidence to prove that something will work. And evidence comes from the past. It's not something that helps you create a new future. If you're stuck, you're stuck because you're not using all of your brain. You're not using the creative, non-analytical side that's good at putting the puzzle pieces together in new and unconventional ways or maybe even creating a brand new puzzle for you. You also might be stuck because you're not using the rest of your body. You're not mining the intelligence of your heart or the wisdom of your gut. And finally, you might be stuck because you're not accessing your higher self, your inner nosing or wisdom or using your spiritual guidance. So in this episode, I'm going to use magic very broadly to mean all the tools that can help you step out of reason obsessed decision making and get you to consider and discover creative expansive evolutionary and revolutionary answers to the issues that you're tackling in my own life i talk about magic all the time but i confess to never having looked up the word before today. I've tended to come from, I know this, this is magic when it feels like magic. So let's briefly try to put some context around this. Here are some suggested meanings I found of magic. They include an extraordinary power or influence seemingly from a supernatural force, essentially a manifestation beyond scientific understanding the use of special powers to make impossible things happen a mysterious quality of enchantment producing extraordinary results as if by supernatural means possessing distinctive qualities that produce unaccountable effects or any mysterious seemingly inexplicable or extraordinary power. So the essence of magic then 
is a power or force we don't fully understand. I think that's kind of it. We'll know it perhaps when we see it or we'll know it when we feel it. Or maybe we can just use magic to mean anything that doesn't involve linear thinking and analytical reasoning. Magic's important to me because it changed my life once I learned how to access it. As soon as I knew that the ultra rational, ultra analytical, somewhat cynical Heather that I used to be could use magic, I knew that magic was a tool easily accessible by anyone. If it was accessible to me, it's accessible to you. So just to give you a sense of what magic can make possible in your life, I thought I'd just list some of the things I've created in my own life, primarily through magical means. My sudden ability to paint in my mid-50s. The circumstances that allowed me to leave my job and paint full time. The invitation I received almost immediately after I started painting to join an artist collective and the almost immediate sales of my work at good prices. Incredible teachers of every nature who showed up at exactly the moment I needed them and regardless of what I needed to learn, even when I didn't know what they'd teach me existed before I met them. My several meetings with the elderly artist and namesake for my place here, George Russell, during the last year of his life, and my large collection of some of his best paintings that I now own. My farm home and the beautiful studio I designed and built here in Prince Edward County in Ontario and Canada. So my savvy souls, you might be wondering how you can connect with magic to make better decisions and create the most expansive version of your life. So what I've done in this episode is come up with five skills that I'm sure will help you unleash your magic into the world. So the first skill and the most important skill is openness. I think the reason many of us haven't accessed our magic is because we haven't allowed ourselves to be open to it. Magic can't find you if you've closed your mind to the possibility of its existence. I do know what that's like because that's how I felt for so many years, for decades, in fact. My dad was a math teacher and logic pretty much ruled our house. If we couldn't write a mathematical proof for something, and I'm exaggerating there, but it felt that way. If we couldn't predict the logical outcome, it simply wasn't worth pursuing according to my family values. Even the idea of psychology. Well, that was unscientific and a waste of time. Church, well, that was something you did. Certainly not something that had anything to do with belief. I couldn't have had an upbringing that was more distanced from magic. So I pursued a logical, rational path, got a degree in economics because that was what I was good at. And also because I could get a good government job with a pension. And then I got a law degree so I could become a tax advisor instead of a tax policy economist and considerably increase the money I was making. 
And during this whole period, I didn't even have a tiny crack open to welcome in magic. And I also never felt fully myself. A lot of years, I even felt trapped, but I couldn't see any logical exit. And there was nothing that called to me. And all of this happened because I wasn't open. Until one day, a crack in my buttoned up logical world appeared, and the light started to pour through. I was in Paris on vacation during the non-touristed month of February. I was enjoying the world's best art with no crowds, luxuriating in the beautiful architecture, fashion, and food. I remember delighting in an 80-year-old man in fashionable red pants, a slim-cut jacket, and colorful scarf, looking like my grandma would have said, quite dapper, clearly enjoying life at the fullest. I wasn't caught up in the logic of my everyday life in Paris. I was just there, soaking it all in, feeling more open than I had felt in years. Then one morning, the crack opened wide. I'd always loved art, but thought I wasn't artistic or creative. But in the early morning, as I lay in bed, clear, vivid images of me painting large canvases floated through my brain. I felt blissful and happy in a way I'd never felt before. The next morning, the same thing. And the next morning and the next, even after I returned to Toronto. Absolutely none of this was logical or made sense to my brain, but there it was, me flooded with this blissful feeling of sitting in front of canvases painting. And every day I opened that crack just a little bit more to these beautiful images and to the possibilities that were emerging in my brain. And so that was the beginning of it all, just becoming open. So in my case, my openness was more or less thrust on me. Maybe it was a perfect storm of magical and crowded days in Paris and uh, an intense but subconscious desire I'd been repressing all my life. But here's some good news, savvy souls. You can just choose at any moment to be open. You can just decide from now on, I'm not going to immediately reject ideas as not possible. From now on, I'm going to ignore all the objections my brain immediately surfaces, and I'm going to consider, how might this be true? What could be true about this? Is there some sliver of truth in this? Is there some way I could try this? Experiment with this. Explore this. Savvy souls, openness is just a habit, and it's something you can develop. And even if you're already very open, it's a muscle you can strengthen every day. Savvy Souls, the second skill is radical self-trust in the knowing part of you. We all have a knowing part, an intuitive part, a part of us that's connected with our higher self, our spiritual self, with the quantum field, the universe, or God. Use whatever language works best for you and most importantly, triggers the least resistance. Remember, being open is key. So learning to access this part of you is just a matter of practice and trusting what you intuitively know. 
I went on a retreat a few years ago that was at my friend Christy Stanglin's place and led by Laura Heselton, an intuitive medium. You might remember Christy Stanglin from the podcast where I interviewed her about her own journey. So several of us attending the retreat, which was, which was about intuitive intelligence, doubted we had intuitive capacity. So Laura took us through some exercises that showed us that we were wrong to doubt ourselves. What she did was pair us up with a person we didn't know, and she gave us several questions to answer about that person. But here's the catch. We weren't allowed to ask the person anything. We just had to feel into their energy or aura, or whatever you want to call it. We were to write down what we thought, even though it felt like we were making it up. We were asked to just trust enough in what came up to write it down, even though our brains argued. And so we all did. Some of us, like I know I did, felt awkward and embarrassed and kind of ridiculous. But when it came to the time that we shared our results, both with the person and with the group, it was totally amazing. Almost everything we'd intuited was accurate. It was just an astonishing test of how your intuition works, even if you don't fully trust it to. Imagine what happens when you do trust in it. I discovered after this that the more I relaxed and trusted my intuition, the more evidence I was able to gather that my intuition was something that I could rely on. This is what I love about so many aspects of magic and spirituality. We can try out different things and test them and then only use them if they work for us. And so Savvy Souls, what I'd suggest you do is just practice noticing what your intuition says. See what happens if you follow it. This is how you can gather evidence for your brain to start trusting your intuition and trusting that it is real and has real and practical results in your life. So what I want most for you is to develop radical self-trust in that knowing part of you. I think that's the secret sauce to making your life all it could be. It's the secret sauce for making your life feel purposeful, fulfilling, and aligned with who you really are. So savvy souls, a third skill, which is related to the second, but easier to test sometimes, is learning how to listen to your body and trust what it tells you. Our body isn't just there, as many of us have been brought up to believe, to carry around our heads with our brains in them. Our body has an intelligence that's aligned with what's best for us, an intelligence that predicts the outcomes and consequences far better than our fear-based brains do, an intelligence that knows what's possible and what will serve us best. I think I've talked about this before on this podcast, but I will continue to talk about it in every episode that I can, because it's always worth you hearing again because it's such a great way to get out of your swirling thoughts and make decisions that are right for you. So when you're considering a decision, especially one you're struggling with, knowing what's right, and you're kind of lost in that confusion and thought loops I talked about earlier, do this. 
Get quiet. Put your feet on the floor. Breathe slowly. And try to notice what you can see, what you can taste, what you can smell, what you can hear, and what you can feel all at the same time. The more you try to spark all of your five senses all at once, the more you will find yourself in a place where you feel grounded and still. Then say to yourself, and this is just an example, joining that group would serve me in my journey. Then feel in your chest space. Do you feel tight, constricted, heavy, or painful? If that's the case, your body's saying no. Does your chest feel light, expanded, bubbly? Your body's saying yes. And then sometimes what I often like to do is test the result by making an opposite statement. So in this example, you could try saying, joining that group is not part of my best journey. And you'll find that the results, the answers in your body are the opposite. So you can test listening to your body. And if it works 100% of the time, keep doing it. And if it doesn't, don't. I'm pretty sure, though, it will work 100% of the time. That's been my experience. And when you start noticing that it works, it will help you build the second skill of radical self-trust as well. A fourth skill is finding your own language of magic. You need to find the magical tools that resonate with you and work the best for you. We're all very different human beings and there's so much about us that science doesn't know. And so different tools are easier for us to use than others. Different tools will resonate with us than others do. Some will resonate for some of us and completely different ones for others. So I'm just gonna name a few magical tools that are available for your consideration. Each one could be the subject of a separate episode, and so I'm not going to describe any of these in detail, but they include reading oracle cards or tarot cards, drumming or chanting or doing anything rhythmic, energetic work like Reiki or other energetic work or Qigong, visualization and future self-work, dream interpretation meditation in any of its forms and you can have a re-listen to the podcast i did on that asking your spirit guides questions shamanic journeys noticing numbers like numerology or animal messages connecting with crystals or feeling the resonance of objects or hugging trees astrology in all its forms mediumship talking to people who have passed, ritual dancing, sound work, you get the idea. There are a thousand ways to enter the magical world. And not all of these ways will work for you, but some of them will. So just try them, experiment, use your first skill of being open and see what feels good to you and what works and what doesn't. So for me, for example, painting is a key portal for finding and expressing my own magic. You might have something completely different than anything I've mentioned, and that is what will work best for you. And you can only find it by being open and experimenting. 
Finally, the last skill is really a practice and a habit. So what I want you to do is take time every week, every day if you can, to be still, grounded, and fully in the moment, fully present, what Eckhart Tolle calls being in the now. You can create this as an experience where you're physically still, seated or lying down or standing, but you can also create this mental stillness and presence, walking outside in nature, doing the dishes, eating a meal, driving, or pretty much doing anything alone without your thinking mind nattering at you. Because Savvy Soul's deep presence creates a spaciousness inside you that I believe Savvy Soul's is the source of all magic, or at least the easiest place to hear the magic inside of you. So please, in 2022, Savvy Souls bring magic into your life. Be open to ideas outside your normal framework of thinking and see life as an adventure where you get to explore. Secondly, practice radical self-trust in your intuitive knowing. Thirdly, practice listening to your body and testing the results to deepen your belief and trust in your own knowingness as you make decisions that serve you. Fourth, find the mat magical language and tools that work best for you. Five, devote time to being fully present in the now to create the spaciousness that will allow your magic to flow. So savvy souls, use all of this. Have a magical, wonderful week and see you next time. Bye now. So if you're energized by the possibilities you're hearing about on this podcast, but you're wondering how it's possible to actually make what you've been fantasizing about doing actually happen, I'd love you to join me for a free strategy session where we'll talk about coaching together. We'll explore how you can start making what you want possible by taking small, easy steps that add up to something amazing. Just click on the link in the show notes below this episode to book your free call. I'd love to meet you live. And all my listeners, remember, it's finally your time to do what you want. <laughs>